0: Slash IC Sativa Podcasts. You can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month. We also have a five dollar tier if you're feeling extra generous. Howdy, y'all! Mrs. Steva here. Hope you guys are having a very good one. As always, I'm joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. And today we have in store another article and another story from Canada. And we're going to be talking about that, and I'm going to sort of give my commentary on that. So, as always, I can be found on various different platforms such as iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and other platforms like it. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. So this is from the website Inside the Jar. A case for compassion by Amanda Siebert raids the impact. On November 12th, the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club, VCBC, was raided by the provincial government community safety unit. The raid of the long-standing establishment was one of several that have occurred at compassion clubs and medical dispensaries in British Columbia, including Vancouver and Squamish, over the past few months. The raids occur at the hands of the province's community safety unit. Ooh, we're getting rid of all this black market cannabis. We're making, we're making Canada so much safer. We have to spend this valuable money on... on tracking down an unlicensed shops instead of just making it easier for the shops to open and people people wouldn't have to open unlicensed shops but I digress which is also tasked with giving unlicensed shop owners notice to cease operations that was the case at the end of October when the Nelson Club which had been in operation since 1999 closed its doors for good the VCPC which currently has approximately five thousand active members reopened the day after the raid but the events of last month have left staff and patients who rely on the club's assortment of products in a perpetual state of fear magic sterling one of three staff members that inside the jar connected with for a phone call was initially a member of the club and used its products to help manage her mental health and chronic pain when VCBC became a nonprofit society, she was on the original board of directors and held that position for four years. Altogether, she has relied on the club's services for about a decade. Working at the club for so long has enabled her to make connections, then sure, she will still have access to her own medicine regardless of future raids. But she said patients who have come to depend on the VCBC's affordable yet potent products are terrified of losing their medicine. They, they're not going to find the price of or quality that they're accustomed to, she said, specifically when it comes to patients who rely on high-dose edibles. Sterling considers the legislation around tetrahydrocannabidiol or THC content for legal edible purchases short-sighted as it does not allow for potency that many medical users of cannabis require. See, and that's why I'm, I'm highly against hard limits because if you're a medical patient like myself and you need at least 20, 30, sometimes even 40 milligrams to treat your symptoms, when when you're putting hard caps on on edibles in even for the medical marijuana patients they're having to blow more money on edibles and 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 eat way more sweets than is healthy for them in us in a single sitting and you only you don't you don't just you don't prevent people from getting those edibles they're just gonna buy flour make their own ones or get concentrate and whip up their own and or they're, you know, they're going to get it on the black market. If you make the edibles too weak and you have too much limits. I mean, I'm lucky that in Grassachusetts, that the edible limit is only for adult use customers. And is it isn't really for the, yeah, I mean, it isn't really for the recreational people. No, it isn't really for the medical. Medical can get above 100 milligrams. But in Grassachusetts... For recreational, it's only 100 and down for for adult use. But for medical, there is an exemption. So that isn't as tyrannical as places like California, which outright cap it at 100 for everybody even if you're a medical patient so that leads people having to get it on the black market or, or create their own without the right products she worries they will either be forced to consume multiple edibles potentially adding to their sugar intake and their bottom line or worse they might have to go back to using pharmaceutical drugs before jason balham began working behind the desk at VCBC he spent eight years as the club's head baker like Sterling he requires his medicine from the club in various forms he told ITJ that on the day of the raid staff members and patients waited until police left and then immediately made the trip to their local MLA Carol James office to voice their concerns the next morning, a crowd gathered on the steps of Parliament building in Victoria, where the club's founder, Ted Smith, gave a speech. By 3 p.m., the day after the raid, the VCBC had opened, had reopened to serve their patients. There was a line up to the door and around the side of the building. There was a lot of fear, said Balam, describing the feeling in a packed club the day after the raid. Quote, the support came from all the people that came to the parliament buildings in the morning. This wasn't support, he said, paraphrasing a conversation he had with Smith and a patient that day. Quote, these were people who were afraid that they weren't going to be able to get their medicine in a consistent supply or of the quality that they are used to. He called the reactions of some of the club's elderly members heartbreaking and and noted that two terminal cancer patients who were in the store at the time of the raid were forced to watch as officers dumped their medicine into giant garbage bags. That's, that's painful to hear. They called themselves the Community Safety Unit. What are they saving? They're just saving tax-paying law-abiding citizens who need their medicine and need certain products that help their their symptoms you're just saving them from not getting their product and in reality that's not actually saving them that's hard harming them because now they don't have ways to get products that help treat their illnesses you know it's again we have to like like I say every time or most times I do an episode we have to we have to we have to reform our government and we have to replace the squares that are in government that don't really know too much about cannabis but are legislating like they do, we have to get them out of office and we have to put people like us that actually know what what cannabis can do, that actually know its effects, that actually have a more realistic view of, of, the, of the plant. Rather than these beer and alcohol or beer and wine with Xanax on the side politicians and squares that although they're trying to they're they're trying to quote unquote, you know, prevent people from getting too high or prevent people from from, you know, driving impaired or whatever things that they feel that they're doing by making these limits, you know, you're just hurting. Patients and you're just hurting people that need this for medicine. When you make these hard limits it, it does more harm than good. So let's continue. But because of their actions, hundreds, if not thousands of people who went to bed that night panic and are afraid that's not safe. Exactly. Like Sterling and Balam Dylan Nickerson, VCVC VC community liaison officer is both an employee and a patient. He uses the club's products to help alleviate symptoms of fibromyalgia. Until five years ago, he was on disability, but he said that the job at the club significantly increased his quality of life. It allows me to have the kind of life so that I can actually help other people and and do that by working. He said, without these products, I wouldn't be working. And without this club, I honestly have no idea where I'd be. Nickerson said in the days following the raid, members who had heard about it in the media or on Facebook came in to stock up on products they knew they wouldn't be able to acquire elsewhere if the shop was raided again. Quote, One woman came in earlier today and stocked up on chocolate bars because she wasn't sure if she would be able to find them, he said. The chocolate bars in question contain 7,750 milligrams of THC. Quote, for the government's recreational-use edibles, we have to chop that chocolate bar into 75 individually-wrapped doses to achieve the same effect. Wow. The irony, Nickerson said, the member is an employee of the government. <laughs> wow, that, that that's very, very telling that... Um, That government officials are having to get black market products because of the tyranny of the state that's it's you know it's it's some crazy stuff right there just it just proves the point that these these regulations are, are nonsense all three employees are obviously proponents of a completely separate medical cannabis system one that allows for cannabis products of in all of its forms, at various potencies and at prices that are well below recreational ones. Exactly, that's what needs to happen stateside too. I shouldn't I shouldn't be paying I shouldn't be paying over three hundred dollars an ounce in grass you know. And I mean, although in my state we luckily don't have taxes on medical, we still should be paying a lot less than recreational. We should be paying half, in fact. We should be paying. Shouldn't be paying more than fifty to a hundred per ounce, but you know my my over regulate over regulation happy state they make it too hard to start a business, so it's only these big cannabis places that are in my estimation they are likely price fixing and it's it's just ridiculous it's asinine quote the federal government needs to allow medical patients storefronts with knowledgeable staff. And they need to be able to see and smell the product, Nickerson said. Val said, Smith is eager to sit down with the federal government and negotiate a framework in which clubs like theirs can continue to operate and where patients can get their medical cannabis at more reasonable prices. The best outcome would be that they would come and sit down and talk with us, he said. That's hardly new for Smith or for any of the individuals who have operated compassion clubs and medical dispensaries. It's the VCBC opened in 1996 before there was even legislation for medical cannabis in Canada. Sterling wonders whether an eagerness to shine a light on the medical, on medical cannabis has actually worked against the business owners and growers who have built up the province thriving, thriving illicit market. Quote, to me, this whole thing feels like BC is being punished for having, being trailblazers in this community. She said. She isn't exactly holding out hope for inclusion either. Quote, Ted Smith and the VCBC have been around for 20 years and they have always had to work outside law, she said. Quote, I know that we were excited to be included in the framework back in the day, but that never happened. It didn't even seem like it was ever going to be an option, end quote on things ignored when sterling says back in the day she's referring to a time when court rulings and senate reports had medical cannabis users excited about the process prospect of not only being permitted to exist but about being consulted with let's remind ourselves of all the precedents that have been set by the courts in relation to fair access to medical cannabis In 1988, a Supreme Court case established the constitutional right to have access to access health care without fear of criminal sanction, R.V. Morgan Taylor. In 2000, a case in the Ontario Superior Court found that the prohibition on marijuana was unconstitutional as it did not contain an exemption for medical use, R.V. Parker. This led to the development of Health Canada's first framework for medical cannabis in 2001. In 2007, two cases in the Ontario Court of Justice established that the right to access healthcare without fear of criminal sanction included access to cannabis. R.V. Long, R.V. Bodnar Hall spastic. In 2012, a Supreme Court case established the restrictions on, forms, on the forms of medical cannabis are unconstitutional, R.V. Smith. In 2016, it established that Restricting a patient's right to grow for themselves was unconstitutional. In his closing statements, the judge presiding over the case, Justice Pellan highlighted evidence presented by Jamie Shaw, acknowledging that dispensaries were the heart of access for medical cannabis users. The access is protected under Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. To the new cannabis consumer, cannabis clubs and medical dispensaries may seem like a thing of the past, but the reality is these establishments set the tone for the type of experience we see today, even in a recreational setting. Historically, the model is so well-respected that in the 2002 report of the Senate Special Committee on Illegal Drugs, even suggested that Health Canada take measures to support and encourage the development of alternative practices, such as the establishment of Compassion Clubs. The practice of these organizations are in line with the therapeutic indications arising from clinical studies and meet the strict rules on quality and safety, reads the nearly 20-year-old report. Amongst its recommendations, the committee suggests that the Health Canada should, at its earliest possible opportunity, undertake a clinical study in cooperation with Canada's Compassion Clubs. Historically, the model is so well respected that the 2002 report of the Senate Special Committee on Illegal Drugs even suggested that Health Canada take measures to support and encourage the development of alternative practices, such as the establishment of Compassion Clubs. In later sections, the committee calls out Health Canada for failing to leverage the expertise in the medical cannabis community and slams its first attempt at crafting regulations around access, quote. No attempt has been made in Health Canada's current research plan to acknowledge the considerable expertise currently residing in these compassion clubs, it reads. The regulations made in 2001 by Health Canada, even though they are a step in the right direction, are fundamentally unsatisfactory. They do not facilitate the access to therapeutic cannabis. They do not consider the experience and expertise available in compassion clubs. Possible opportunity in another BC City While Health Canada shirked its responsibility and ignored court precedents and recommendations from the Senate Committee dispensaries, dispensaries began propping up across the country. Eventually municipalities began making their own rules. In June 2015, Vancouver became the first city to enact a set of bylaws that allowed for the operation of dispensaries and compassion clubs. The medical marijuana-related uses by bylaws put a steep price on business licenses for cannabis retailers that were willing to comply. If your location was approved and you were awarded a development permit, the annual cost of a license was $30,000. Compassion clubs that offered cannabis to patients with established medical conditions were charged a license fee of a thousand dollars the following year the city of victoria introduced its own legislation at the time the city that city's council touted was touted for make for taking excuse me a progressive approach to regulations which didn't shy away from using words like medical and carried significantly lower licensing fees than its sister city on the mainland then in june 2018 Vancouver's bylaws were amended to align with the federal non-medical legalization the city of Victoria Falls suit November of that year after a public hearing all references in Vancouver's regulations to medical marijuana related use dispensaries were removed and placed with the term cannabis store which the city council defined as such oh I don't like this so they got rid of the provisions saying that there should be medical stores and compassion centers and they merged like a lot of adult use states I know Washington State had a problem with this where the way that they regulated medical previously had been favorable to the medical patients and then when adult use passed the the to harmonize the regulations they kind of merged the two and then medical the medical dispensaries that existed in Washington State got squeezed out and they just turned into adult use. And now it's just a merged system. And the patients suffered suffered and got screwed over as a result. And I've mentioned this on a previous episode. I, I learned this when I was when I visited Seattle, and the Uber driver basically told me that that the the patients got screwed over through that, and he doesn't even use. So, if if even someone like him who doesn't really use cannabis knew that, then you know the people of of Washington, you know, must have gotten screwed over pretty big. If even people with no dog in the fight knew, you know. But like like other like other West Coast areas, Victoria and Canada sort of. Did the same stuff that Washington State did. The use of premises for the sale of cannabis, including any products containing cannabis for consumption off-premises, and includes a compassion club as defined by as defined in the license by law. While the above definition implies the municipality has maintained a place in its licensing scheme for shops with Medical Focus, a July 2018 report by the Chief License Inspector, Katherine Holm, called the definition's inclusion of Compassion Clubs into question, quote, the bylaw review revealed that several conditions in the city's Compassion Clubs license type contravened provincial regulation, including the provision of co-located located cannabis retail with another business. The Municipal Compassion Club business license currently requires the provision of both health services and retail. Staff recommended that Compassion Club license conditions be updated to align with provincial regulations. Compassion Club licenses will continue to be available for those business operators wishing to provide cannabis-related health care services without cannabis retail sales. While it is not clear if the above recommendation was ever implemented, the City's website suggested that it has been. It states its Compassion Club business license is for non-profit societies that don't sell cannabis but advocate for its use for medical purposes and provide a wider range of health services to their members. To make things even more confusing, In June 2019, a council moved to lift the ban on retail cannabis stores in downtown Eastside. The motion passed with the harm reduction idea in mind, called on staff to make recommendations to council, quote, with respect to regulatory options and potential pathways that could enable low-cost legal medicinal cannabis options for downtown Eastside, potentially on the model of a community cannabis store, Or compassion club with social expertise medical and research focus consistent with Health Canada's access to cannabis for medical purposes regulations end quote it appears that the council is showing support for the idea of seeing medical cannabis provided to patients at low cost and by using a compassion club model at least on the downtown east side but it still also states explicitly on its website that medical cannabis is only available through the federal government. While Vancouver's former council re- regulated dispensaries to create access, former city council Carrie Jang stated explicitly that distance regulations were put in place so that patients and neighborhoods could get what they need. The city's current councillors seem unresolved on the issue of providing medicinal access to cannabis. These conflicting prices are frustrating, but are no match for Canada's premier cannabis lawyer. John Conroy believes that because of the inclusion of compassion clubs in the city of Vancouver's cannabis store definition, there may be a legal workaround for compassion clubs in the city that want to be compliant, while still being able to provide the same products to their members. He's currently assisting the BC Compassion Club Society in the process. Conroy, who spent more than 40 years advocating for fair access to cannabis, said it comes down to jurisdiction. He's confident that the CSU steps into a Compassion Club to conduct a raid is acting outside its responsibility. Quote, the province has been given power to take over distribution, but not in relation to medical cannabis. Only in relation to recreational cannabis, he told Inside the Jarbox phone last month. One of the federal licenses that you have to get is a license to sell for medical purposes. I've said to the BC Compassion Club Society, BCCCS, and they're solely doing this. They're applying to, to the feds for a license to sell for medical purposes, he says. The club would apply for a federal license to become an authorized cannabis seller similar to Shoppers Drug Mart which would permit them to register patients who want to purchase medical cannabis according to Conroy while the license Shoppers has received is a license to sell medicinal cannabis without possession meaning it would have no supply on-site the one the BCCS would apply for would be a license to sell medical cannabis with possession but the product also has to be legal conroy pointed out his second suggestion to the club is that in absence of an explanation or allowance for the designated growers to take on more patients the club's growers apply for a micro cultivation licenses so far conroy said at least one has done so but others have pointed out that the costs associated with this approach are adamantly far too high for the club to maintain its model he encouraged those who want to move forward in their application to invite a condition that they intend to grow only for the club then it is an internal economy where you're not even affecting the other economy he said a way to fit yourself into the existing regulations that comes as close as possible to what you are doing is if your grower has a license to sell medical cannabis. The club has a license to sell medical cannabis and there's some sort of arrangement between the club, the grower and its members on how they'll share the costs. Quote, Ideally, Conroy said, members could order from the club just as you might from an existing licensed producer. But there would be other options too. Instead of having products shipped to your home address, it could be shipped to a designated caregiver who might be someone at the club. Members could give the club approval to receive their medicine. Or if members still wanted to see and smell their product before making a purchase, they could order online within the confines of the club, then promptly pick up their product while inside. Quote, there is an obligation on the government to provide this, and I've said to them, if they interfere with it and limit it, that will entitle each of those patients to an appropriate and just remedy for the violation of their rights based on the failure of the government to provide adequate, reasonable access. Quote, that's what I'm suggesting as an interim measure. The feds have failed in my view to provide reasonable access to medically approved patients by providing a provision for medical dispensaries and compassion clubs he said. Conroy suggested the path is not the only option with correct zoning a club might be able to apply for a federal processing license but like the case of applying for a microcultivation license costs for the end user would increase. These increased costs are the crux of the issue because they stand in the way of success. Still, Conroy has faith in the courts and has continued to put pressure on the federal government to create a medical framework that doesn't interfere with patients' rights. Quote, there is an obligation on the government to provide this, and I've said to them, if they interfere with it and limit it, that will entitle each of these patients to an appropriate and just remedy for the violation of their rights based on the failure of the government to provide adequate, reasonable access. End of article. This was written by Amanda Siebert. And you see, this is why I do what I do. You know, this is why I get so annoyed when lawmakers drag their feet on regulations, when lawmakers say, oh, this is this is, this is is a, a, a low priority issue. This is just for deadheads. This is just for people to have fun at concerts. You know, adults have real things to do and we have real things to address. Someone not having their medicine and not being able to work is a real thing to address. It is a real thing to address. And we have to demand more from our our lawmakers, our courts, everyone. Because if we can't get, if we can't get the medicine we need to pursue, you know, life, happiness, and provide for ourselves, and to be able to do to do as we see fit with our lives, as long as we're not hurting anyone, then that's an infringement on our rights. And we need, we need to demand more of our lawmakers. We need to demand more of the courts. We need to continue fighting for cheap and affordable, affordable access for those who are most vulnerable and those who are are, who are sickest and those who need it the most That's why I do what I do, you know And again the 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 slogan of this podcast and what what the aims of this podcast is I don't just put it on the logo for the sake of putting in the logo You know, I'm dead serious about making cannabis accessible for regular ass people and in covering stories like this and, and bringing this to the attention of you guys and 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 mobilizing you guys to fight for better, that's 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 how we can make cannabis accessible for regular ass people. So again, I hope the people of British Columbia and the people of this area, as well as all over the world, get what they want. But in these legal states, medical access for those that need it is still an issue, even even in legal adult use states and adult use countries like Canada and the 11 states that have legalized it and even the states that just have medical affording it is a huge issue and the less regulations that the government does to make it easy for these clubs and easy for for growers and easy for folks who want to provide compassionate access the more we the more people we have doing that the better and the less regulation the less red tape the better and it's up to you the folks of british columbia to fight for this so so there can be affordable and safe access for all that need it so again i don't want to keep this episode too long i'm ready dragging on over 30 minutes so i'm just going to end it here i hope you guys got a lot out of this peace out and ciao if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project there are a few ways that you can do so supporting us helps us keep the lights on pay rent, pay for housing and equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash IC Sativa podcasts. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am podcast and click the send voice message button. And I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617. 617- Four six six nine three eight 466 That is 617-466-9389. And I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link, um, www.bit.ly slash 33FKRV9. Three three and you can try the following coupon codes. Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, and 15% sign off CBD. And you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too. Feel free to enter the URL, https colon slash slash shop dot boston hemp dot com slash question mark ref equals d Scotland. Peace out and ciao.